0: Good evening, folks, and welcome once again to the best show in junior hockey, the only show in junior hockey willing to go to the dirty areas of the ice, the dirty areas of the podcasting world, to fight for those corner stories, to really pressure the goaltenders who are stopping you from the juicy scoop. And there's only one man who I would trust to be my wingman on a two-on-one zone entry looking for that goal score, and that's Dan K. Dan, welcome to the show.
1: Lucas, I love that you said the dirty areas, because what, what makes me so excited about the Dan K show is that we put the player first, and that's always been our mantra since day one. It's player, parent, and then everything else. The game of hockey for us is player driven, and it's the guys on the ice that make our jobs possible. And make our world possible we're not the kind of guys that like sign a contract like this year and all of a sudden start talking about that league in such positives that they never did and start going after people in other leagues like they never did because like lucas we don't we don't sell into that world we are the first podcast of our type in this model in this world and now we've moved into the audio world as well as the video world to make sure that people can find the right information in the right places each week. And when you talk about the right information in the right places each week, you think about our reviews, Lucas, you think about your brews and my brews of two different ways, brews for the parents, brews for the coffee world. And with you, Lucas, I think you have a really cool brew for the New Jersey folks who might like our guest this week, Ryan Creanin, netminder of the Richmond generals who's now moving on to the college ranks.
0: Yeah, so the the beer that I have today is is a Ghost Hawk spin on what's uh, on a nationally brewed beer. Ghost Hawk is a brewery that's uh, that's in Passaic County. It's in Clifton, New Jersey, right across from Rutt's Hut, which is known throughout the state and beyond for its incredible deep-fried hot dogs, its old-school diner burgers, and a vat of sauerkraut that I don't think has been changed since 1962. Uh it is, uh, it is, and it's right next to a distillery. For those of you who are not necessarily into the beer world, they make some great dark rums, some great straight bourbons, uh, some great malt, malt whiskeys. But we turn now to Ghost Hawk's variation on a beer that is a collaborative effort around the country. It's called Black is Beautiful, and it's a collaborative effort to raise awareness for the injustices people of color face daily, raise funds for police reform and legal defenses who have faced this injustice before um basically what happens with these worldwide or, or nationwide brews they did one for the um the forest fires out in california and along the west coast um, the money went to first responders they've done them before for other national tragedies where the proceeds from each can sold go to different efforts and this one uh, 100% of the beer's proceeds go to local foundations in the area of the brewery that support police reform and legal defenses um and so this is a fundraising beer as well as a delicious beer. It's an imperial stout, 10% alcohol by volume. And the best thing is, is every brewery has a little bit of local flair on it. So the base recipe is distributed and then every brewery decides what to do with it. And I got to be honest, this beer is absolutely phenomenal. It, is, it has been one of, if not the best beer that I have had from Ghost Hawk. It's, it's rich, it's dark, um, it's not syrupy which is you know common on beers that are this high alcohol. Uh, we'll go ahead and take another sip.
1: Smart move, smart move.
0: You got, you got to get that fresh sip. And it's good as it's cold. It's good as it warms up. You've got some dark chocolate. You've got a little bit of maybe some spices in there. But again, the defining feature is that it's not sweet. It's very earthy. It's a little smoky. It's a little roasty. There's definitely some coffee flavors in there. If you like bold imperial stouts, if you like very dark beers, this is absolutely one to go to. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of this.
1: And now, Lucas, number one, I I love the message behind the beer, obviously. I mean, we've talked about the Dan K. Show Presents Junior Hockey, and the Dan K. Show Presents – Hockey is for everyone. It's something we champion. It's something we believe in. And you saw Matt Dumba come out and speak to the folks at home this past week with the NHL season getting back underway. And it's so important to understand that all of our sports get better. All of our world gets better with more participation, with more ability, and with more opportunity for everyone. And you see Bill Flanagan, coach of the Northern Cyclones, on his Twitter page, Lucas, this past week championing the women's game as well and and it's all about opportunity and the opportunity to to really create for people create opportunities for those who are in worlds and lifestyles where they aren't getting the same opportunity as everyone in the same shake is it's something we should all be championing it's something as good people we should all be involved in as much as we can be and and you look at Ghost talk brewing. Then you bring up Rutz Hut, Lucas, and I will tell every Dan K Show fan at home, you can reach out to the Dan K Show, dankshow.com contact page. And anybody who comes to the Hitman Showcase who wants to get taken to Rutz Hut, Dan K will specifically make time and drive you there. I will be your Uber to Rutz Hut if you'll buy the hot dogs, because that's how into Rutz Hut I am. So a great review there by Lucas. I need the score though on this beer.
0: Well, I think one of the biggest things is if you like earthy stouts, this is the beer for you. This is not a very sweet, this is not adjunct with a bunch of different flavors and marshmallow and cinnamon and vanilla. This is a good old school imperial stout, 10%. Uh, I'm going to give this one of my highest scores ever. I think I'm giving this an eight, seven easily, easily an eight, seven. This is, it is absolutely drinkable. It is extremely crushable for a high alcohol beer. They did a phenomenal job.
1: All right. that and that makes me nervous now because now I feel like usually we're kind of on the same page with our reviews and, and our coffee and our beer and I don't dislike this this week's coffee at all I, I I'm gonna I try to get something accessible to the people at home and Lucas what are folks in in Minnesota in the Midwest what what is more accessible than any other store out there any other department store can you guess
0: got to be target.
1: It's got to be Target and it is Target. What is Target's number one brand? It's Archer Farms. So I went into Target this week and I tried to find, I thought to myself, I got to go back to Target. I've done one Target review so far. I got to go back and do it again. So I walked in, I found the Archer Farms vanilla bean creme brulee. This is a sweet vanilla and burnt sugar flavors with a light body coffee. It is light roast what I will tell you is I had to make the pot a second time Lucas for today's show. First go around, I made it. I did my normal, normally I'm seven scoops to my 12 cups and I drink the entire pot of coffee, spill most of it on myself while I'm drinking it because I don't put it in a cup because I'm trying to just get the energy. But this go around, I realized it was a little too light for my own being. So I I went back and did it again. I went eight scoops to 12 cups. It's a good coffee, man. It's a serviceable coffee. You get that vanilla taste. It's a little bit cake batter for me, and what I will tell you is, if there's something folks know about me, I I'm not a big cake guy. I don't like cake. I've never had a birthday cake in my life. I've always had birthday pie, or I've had birthday steak, and those are two things that that I've had throughout my life. I've never done the cake because I just never liked it that much. Maybe a little ice cream cake, but this is a cake battery taste to this coffee. So if you're a cake batter folk, you're you're in that group. You're gonna you're gonna give this an eight eight. I give it a six, eight. I think it's a sweet coffee, a little bit more sweet than I ever expect from a vanilla because of that extra burnt sugar that we're going for. So I give it a six, eight Lucas. It's not my favorite coffee of all time, but I will drink it again. I'm not going to waste this bag of coffee.
0: And you know, what's interesting too, is, is I love creme brulee. It's actually one of my favorite desserts. I had it this year for my birthday steak dinner. Uh, we Ooh. specifically ordered the creme brulee and, uh, but not a cake batter guy. So I'm, I'm a little, you, you got me excited and then you, you <laughs> tempered that excitement. So I'm, I'm at least happy that you did that. So now that I don't necessarily get too excited for something that I might not like.
1: Your explanation of your feelings throughout my review is exactly how I <laughs> felt while drinking this. I literally <laughs> thought to myself, Oh, creme brulee. I love that. Let me pick this one up. I had multiple options. That's the one I picked because I love creme brulee. Mm-hmm. And then when I got that cake batter finish, I just thought to myself, I didn't want cake. I wanted creme brulee. (laughs) And that is where it hurt me. It's why it lost some points. 6.8 Archer Farms, vanilla bean creme brulee. But I will tell you right now, if you like cake and you like cake batter, you better get this coffee and you better drink it right now. With that in mind, though, we talk about, you know, the highs and lows. And what better to talk about the highs and lows with than a couple of goaltenders? We're going to talk net minding. We're going to talk goaltending. We're going to talk Richmond Generals and we're going to talk the highs and lows of the life between the pipes with Ryan Creanan and Nick Bernstein of the Richmond Generals. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with two of my favorite guests of all time. First of all, I got to introduce this guy first because he's the Crean Show and he's the real show, man. And this is a guy who has given me nothing but grief ever since I didn't put the Richmond Generals premiere at number one in my top 10 for the power rankings. I remember turning around I'm doing play-by-play in Marlboro, Massachusetts, which should have been the home for the NHL's uh, bubble league. I, I can guarantee you that. But I'm doing, I'm doing play-by-play, and I turn around, and I see this guy giving me the number six because I put him at number six in the power rankings, and I blame Lucas for it wholeheartedly. Ryan Creenan, Richmond Gen- Generals goaltender and current SUNY Morrisville goaltender, The Crean Show. What's going on, babe? How are we doing, Dan? Thanks for having me. Oh, I am so happy to have you on. And I go next to you now and I go, you know, the Richmond Generals, if they do something right, man, it's goaltending. It's goaltending to a T. And this is a guy who has unofficially won 14 Goaltender of the Month awards. In the last 12 months. I think it's unofficial. I don't know if it's official or not, but this guy is burning it up in that. It's Nick Bernstein. Nick, what's going on? Oh, I'm doing good, man. And with that, I go to my right-hand man. I go to a man who these two guys know is Mike consigliere. He is Michel. He is Frere. How are you doing? The mayor, as we say en
0: français, it is Lucas Jones. Lucas, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Dan. I still maintain that while your pronunciation is horrific, your grammar actually pretty good. It's all right, right? I think I think I kind of get it done. And with that, we we don't talk about
1: pronunciations or grammar here until we get to Lucas's academic corner, Lucas, or educational.
0: Uh, it's the the educational corner. I think we're we're gonna we're gonna go with fifteen episodes in. We'll pick a name.
1: All right, I'll take that one. But first, I want to start with Ryan Crean right here, and and Ryan, obviously. Each week on this show, we talk to coaches, we talk to owners, we've talked to the Ozman, the Wizard of Osmondson and John Monkovich, and we talk to guys who have gone through the junior hockey career. Now you've gone through it, you've moved to the next level, you're getting ready for that start in the most unique time frame of your life here. Can you talk a little bit about where you're at right now, where your next step is and how things are going for you as you make the move from junior hockey into college?
2: Uh, I'm definitely nervous. I'm not gonna lie. It's a, it's a different jump to come out of a, uh, out of a tier three leagues, you know, it's top end talent down there and there's good players and it's definitely a great platform to develop on, but going into the senior league, playing against a lot of guys coming out of tier one and, you know, a couple of USHL jobs, it's definitely going to be a big skill jump for me. And I'm just hoping that I do, uh, I get to where I need to be and do my job and hopefully earn a few starts here and there.
1: And now Ryan, I'm going to keep with you here because one of my favorite things about you is your, your control, your understanding in the big moment. And and it's something that like just running through it, us guys from Jersey, Ryan, we get it. We understand the, the idea of the big moment, how to handle it, how to be big in those spotlight situations. And you're walking into a situation right now where it's new. You're walking in, you're going to be competing with new goaltenders, competing with a new organization, a new situation at the collegiate level. Can you talk to me a little bit, a little bit about what you've done this offseason, what you've done during this pandemic, and how you're bettering yourself day in and day out for the goaltenders at home who are eventually going to take your path?
2: So I was very consistent. I took a few weeks off at the end of our year. I, uh, I actually traveled up to a national tournament with uh, goaltender, Nick Bernstein. And I uh, wanted to watch them. Unfortunately, they didn't get to play, but I got home and pretty consistently I was doing two workouts a day, five days a week, trying to get in shape because I was always the bigger kid on Richmond. But with the, uh, it definitely was tough without having a gym and that. But any lesson to young goalies, if you have the time and the space, like you need to use your time wisely, get a tennis ball, get three, start juggling, do off the wall stuff, just do anything you can bodyweight wise, work on flexibility. You could not touch a weight as a goaltender for your whole career. And just meditation, hand-eye coordination, explosive stuff, and yoga and stretching, and you will be able to play at the top of your ability. And now, you you did a job for me already,
1: Ryan. I mean, I, I go to Nick now. I go to Nick Bernstein, goaltender Nick Bernstein, as you said. And and Nick, there was such success for you this year. It was, it was there was domination for you all season long in net between the pipes for the Richmond Generals and RC Light. Can you talk about kind of where did that success come from? Where did it start? Was it guys in front of you? Was it yourself? But what what did you do to be so successful?
3: Oh gosh. Um I think it's just like the organization. I mean, that's what I would put it towards. Uh for me, I, I love to play for the team more than myself. So it's just like a matter of working hard every day to become better for the team. Uh I saw the guys in front of me and there's, like, a huge family, and I'm all about playing for a family. So, and that was my motivation every day.
1: And, and now, Nick, I mean, I love the game you play. You know what I mean? You have – I always called you kind of a mix of, like, a Carey Price and a Hank Lundquist. You, you have that ability to play deep in the net. You have that ability to come out, play the puck, be a six skater. And it's so important to have that six skater in that general style. You have to have a guy who's confident with a puck and a stick to continue to play that puck up and out of the zone. Where did that come from? Is that something you, you were born with? Is that something that's been grown through your time with the generals? Where did that start off? And, and when did you become that successful, the goaltender in both assets? <laughs>
3: uh, I definitely was not born with that. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> If I'm being honest, I, I didn't really play the puck until I got to Richmond. And I just, I'd give all, I'd give a lot of credit to my, our goalie coach, Haas. It's like, uh. Gosh, great guy, and I just love being around. But then, I mean, just learn stuff with Karinan. Like, there are days in practice where Karinan and I would just sit at the goal line and try and launch pucks as far and high as we could to the other goal. But – um, and, I mean, just watching a lot of hockey. Like, I watch an insane amount of hockey. It's not even funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now, now Ryan, I want to I jump back to you here real quick because – I feel like you're kind of cut from the same cloth I'm cut from. And when I, when I was playing college baseball collegially, I was playing at a competitive level. It was, I would throw until my arm didn't feel anymore, right? It was the idea of, I thought I should start every day until my coach told me I couldn't. And I remember bumping into you one day in, at Hampton Roads, Virginia, and you wanted that start. And you didn't get it. And I remember seeing that look in your eye. I could see how bad, you wanted to be be between the pipes. You wanted to help out the boys. You wanted to get that W. Where does that drive come from, from you? And and how important is it in your mind for a goaltender to have that drive? That every start should be your
2: start. Honestly, it's just it's part of that Richmond culture. I do have I have that competitive nature. And you can ask you can ask Bernie. We would be playing cards in our apartment, and I'd be mad if I didn't win. I'm just competitive. <laughs> We, we had some we had some tough moments there on poker night, but uh, <laughs> definitely I, the, the competition part of the generals is just every year there's such solid goaltending with our team, especially at that point in the year when I bumped into you, we had uh, a kid from the BCHL come down and play for us who was looking to be the new guy, and I had to beat him out. We have another goalie who's a junior vet who was just as good as all of us, and we had another kid who was a young kid from Russia who was also solid. And then you know, not to forget, you have the best goal in the elite league, probably ever, sitting back there waiting for me to make a mistake. So there's a lot of there's a lot of solid goalies you have to play against. So if you don't walk into practice every day and like play Game Seven, you're not getting that start. And just hope when you get it, you're prepared enough where you can shine and get a win for your team. Oh, we
1: and we get poker night at the Dan K show. You should see uh, Luke and I playing shell or like NASCAR Heat Four in the uh, in the hotel room on a hockey night. There have been a few broken controllers because of Dan K trying to battle with Lucas. Lucas, I'm sure you're aware of that.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've definitely had our, <laughs> our fair share. Of that I play uh, on Chell, I play pretty locked down defense, uh, and Dan is an absolute score freak. So the moment he can't carry the puck into the zone, all of a sudden it just becomes sixty minutes of it. just immediate stress. That's oh, that's we're all.
1: Leonard Skinner. If Leonard Skinner was only mad about Chell video games, <laughs> <laughs> breaking hotel rooms up. But Nick, I go to you. You you look at you look at the general's organization and there's such success, right? You guys you guys won titles, you you've done it at every level, the premier of the elite. You have RC like on the bench, a guy who, outside of his coffee order, is is absolutely incredible. His coffee order is a little soft. There's a lot of sugar involved in that. I was not I was not okay with that.
2: You don't gotta remind me, I used to take it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> But outside of the soft coffee order, can you can you talk a little bit about just you get to watch a guy like Ryan Green play net every day and you get to see that and you get to grow with it. You get to see what it's like to be a successful netminder. How big has that been for your development, your growth?
3: Uh, well, for me, it was huge. Cause I mean, obviously it was my first year of playing juniors. So, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect or anything. And uh, he was probably the first person I talked to when I showed up for tryouts and then training camp. So he's just always kind of been that guy who's I guess you could say always been there <clears throat> and then to watch them every day, like for practices and games and get along
1: with them really just helps strengthen that relationship between us. I love it. We've got so much more coming up. It's time to get into the, deep into the Q and a here. We had the free skate, but whenever you think of Q and a, you think of smart conversation, you think of the good questions. <laughs> you don't think of Dan Kay. Dan <laughs> Kay is cool to tell you this much. He's he's a fun guy. But you think of Lucas Jones and Lucas Jones is gonna jump in now and get real smart with these finders and find out just what these goaltenders think between the pipes.
0: So I want to start off uh this week's QA with just an acknowledgement of how good these two goaltenders were for the Richmond Generals and It's because Dan and I covered them so much that we know how good they were because this Richmond Generals team was involved in the conversation every single month, every single week, maybe not as high in the power rankings as they would have liked any particular week, but that division is a tough one. I think you guys will acknowledge that that division is a tough one week in and week out. So I just want to start off by just acknowledging how good you guys have been and and how much fun both of you have been to watch. Um, but I do want to start off with, uh, with Nick, with Bernstein here. And I want to ask you coming back to the Richmond generals, uh, do you feel any different coming back this year than you did coming into the program last year? Is there an extra sense of pressure on your shoulders? You might be feeling about, especially after doing so well last season.
3: Uh, I'm definitely not preparing any differently than I did last year. Like, last year, I didn't know what to expect. And it's kind of this year, too. With our goalie situation, I know both of our goalies come in. The other two are really good. And we had great goaltending last year. So I'm definitely not preparing any differently. And for, like, pressure and all that, I think there's always pressure. But, I I mean, just don't, like, the way I look at it, just don't think of, like, what other people are thinking, just do you as best as you can, or we'll just, I mean, just let it, sh- I mean, you'll show it out nice
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting because you guys sort of have different backgrounds, you know, uh, Nick, you, you came out of a lot of different high school programs, whereas Ryan came out of more of the junior circuit. Um, so Nick, talk about the difference, I think, between high school hockey and junior hockey especially at the USPHL elite level which you played last season uh, you know talk about the differences between them if there are any high school hockey players out there um, what might these guys expect as they make the jump from a high school team to a junior team
3: I think if I was going to compare some things between high school and juniors it'd be that so for me at high school you were always at school with everyone and then you'd kind of go from school right to your practice or your workout so I mean in the way with being there and in like the presence of your team and coaches it's I wouldn't really say there's much of a difference I think just like getting along with your teammates and getting to know them it's just being in juniors you it's just like way more advanced like you're constantly with them and learning about like something new with them every day and that was my favorite part like the guys that I was with last year were that like they're going to be my brothers for life and I wouldn't do anything differently
0: so you're saying there's not necessarily so much of a of a skill jump but more of like a a culture difference between the two
3: well I think it depends where you're playing like high school hockey like I think skill jump there's definitely a bigger skill jump from where I came from just being in Cleveland and it not being known as like a huge area for hockey
0: and you know I think that's it's something really interesting and and I- a good, a good almost intro. I feel like you're gonna, you're gonna make a case for yourself as a Dan K show host with that segue. But we'll, we'll end up getting to places not known for hockey in a couple of questions. I want to jump over to, uh, to Ryan now. You did come from that junior circuit, right? And you went through a couple other teams before finding your home with the USPHL and the Richmond Generals. Um, so talk about your experience with the Generals, moving from the elite to the Premier, um, and maybe a little bit of how they helped you prepare for what will be your time at Morrisville.
2: So I got to start that with, I have to thank R.C. Lake because, like, as you said, you know, bounced around in juniors didn't really have a home and he took a big chance on me because I did not shine at tryouts or training camp. I was awful. So I really appreciate him taking that chance, staying with me, giving me that platform, but playing in Richmond is a, it's a hard time. It's a very hard place to play, especially for a goaltender and a top goaltender at that. Because every night, if you're the top guy and, you know, Nick knows it just as well as I do, if you got a back-to-back with Hampton or Charlotte, and, you know, four-game weekend, you're playing four games. If you're the guy and your guy's going to get the wins and has to get those big wins, those points for your team, you have to play all four of those games and you got to come out with at least 75% of those points. So it definitely is a hard place to play, but it's the most rewarding because you have such a high level of coaching between uh, my elite year was Coach McNary, Coach Haas, and Coach RC and then they share with Coach Buzard, the coaching staff is unreal, and they prepare you for that big game moment, and they, definitely the workouts and all the all the skill training, all the player-specific, defense-specific, voice-specific workouts we do set you up to play that big game. But there's definitely an added pressure. Like, you know, Nick is going into the situation, obviously, last year, leaving the elite starting position to be hopefully the premier guy, and it is a bigger jump than you realize because you still have that, those gargantuan named teams in Hampton Roads, Whalers and the Charlotte Rush, the Carolina Eagles and even Potomac the past few years have been solid. So the development there from elite to premier is so stressed for that exact reason. That is why we have so many guys that go from the elite level to the premier level and they succeed. Guys like Doc Greenberg are top scoring guys Doc gets a great commit to Stevenson in November. And that doesn't happen in most programs.
0: And it's it's interesting too because you know you you talk about the scale development um, but I think it's magnified and and I think this is something that we've talked about on the show quite a bit where it's magnified in your division in that southeast division because the teams every year are so incredibly skilled you talk about you know playing three weeks in a row potentially against guys in your own division and you know for those for people at home who maybe didn't catch the comment earlier you know sometimes we've put the Richmond generals at four at three at six just because they've been beat by teams in their own division, which are even higher than they are. Uh, So that's why this team has, has, you know, we made the joke earlier about having, you know, not necessarily been as high as they want to be, but we've had other players say that the season is a long season. It's a bit of a slog. You're playing these two game weekends. You're playing four game showcase weekends as a goaltender. How do you prepare for potentially starting three, four games in a showcase weekend? back-to-back weekends against tough teams like Charlotte, like Carolina. What is that physical preparation like?
2: The hardest weekend I had, for sure, was it was a short week because we had a weird travel break. There was a big snowfall in Atlanta my elite year, and we ended up losing those two games. They scheduled Charlotte and Hampton. We had four games in an eight-day span, and I played both Charlotte games, and then the first Hampton game and the second half the other Hampton game, and I remember like leaving or having to go in for that Hampton game, I should say. And I looked at RC and I was like, coach, I do not want to play in this game. Like I hurt, like everything hurts. This is awful. I finished the game and I went and I sat down and uh, my goalie part at the time, uh, Peyton Schmidt to Becker commit, looked at me and goes, yeah, you need, you need to not look at the ice for like five or six days now. It's like, yeah, I am not okay to play. But the, uh, the, the, pro- especially for showcases, and Bernie definitely knows it better than I did. I was so fortunate in my elite year where I was playing most of the showcase games and I had three goalie partners that were all solid. And Bernie had the same situation, but different showcase breakup this year. It definitely got harder competition. And I know he had some two or three-game showcase weekends, and he would get in the bus and sit next to me, and he would look at me and just go, yeah, that was tough.
1: And now, guys, what I want to jump in on is this Southeast Division, right? We talk about it all the time. We talk about how good it is, how talented it is. You talk about Hampton Roads. You talk about Charlotte. You talk about all these squads you guys play against. And Richmond to me was 1C until Ryan, until you showed up, until guys with your group showed up, Matt Daugherty, some of these names that we see now, Noah Farley. And you guys have gone from 1C to 1A. And we look at the building, you guys fill it up. Can you, can you kind of talk about where was that moment cuz cuz Ryan I feel like this is a question for you do you, you feel like you saw that moment where you guys turned that corner from just one of the teams in the southeast to a real competitor out there who could deal with the Godzilla and the and the I guess King Kong that is Charlotte the Charlotte Rush and Hampton Rose
2: so our first team meeting Miley here. Uh, I give all the credit to this kid. He's one of my best friends in Tyrell. I cannot thank him enough for what he did for me as a person, this athlete, Joey Sabatino. And this kid looked at me the first day of training camp and said, you're the kid from Little Flyers, right? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you're going to be our starter. I was like, yeah. He goes, okay, we're winning a championship this year. And I was like, okay, cool, thanks. He was like, no, no, like, we're winning a championship. And then we had a very first team meeting, Twenty minutes had that conversation, and the returning players that were, you know, William Grubb, Caden Bucky, Brendan Meyer, and Joey Saptino, our leadership core, sat us down and said, We got to, we lost to Hampton last year. We lose to Hampton every year, Premier loses to Charlotte every year. We are winning a champion this year, and there's no if, ands, or buts about it. And if we were ever in a tough game, if we were ever like we had a game, we were losing the Potomac, and the first conversation we walked that room before the third period down two-nothing was we are sizing our rings, our fingers up for rings, and we are struggling against Team Star Division what are we doing we are the next national champions we are winning this game we are winning a championship and every practice every game we walked in there with the preparedness to win a championship the culture down there is set to be winners you split a weekend it's not okay
1: and, and it's so important you, you see what coach RC Light does down there you see the the whole get off my lawn mentality that we talked about 2 years ago and and, and you see that and and that is what really sets the tone for me it's the idea of it's a blue collar mentality it's a bring your lunch pail to work because we're not going to settle for somebody who is good who doesn't put in the effort right Derek Jeter said he said it best when he said that someone can be more talented than me he can be better than me but nobody can work harder than I work and that's something we see out of Richmond all the time and now Nick I, I turn to you and I mean as the guy who I said it about a hundred times this year on the Dan K show that you were the best goaltender in the elite. And you don't have to say it. I know every hockey guy in the world is always going to say, let's get pucks deep. Let's work together. Four lines banging. We're never going to, we're never going to go outside of that, that comfort zone. Right. But I'm going to say it for you. And, and I like to do this for the players that talk to us on the podcast. You were the best goaltender in the elite this year for the USPHL. And we're like, that blue collar mentality did that, did that help you out? Did, did RC like me on the bench? When did you kind of go in your mind that you're going to put in more work than anybody else between the pipes? Did that happen for you this year?
3: No, I mean, what Kareen was saying when I first talked to RC, he had like this I mean, look in his eyes where it was like he meant business and you could tell. And then when you showed up, I met Haas and Coach Buzzard, we call him Buzzy, and got to know all of them. And then I just kind of realized that, like, this is, like, serious. Like, legitimately, like, serious. And just have to put it on the line every day. And that's what we did. And they just, like, they taught us to hate losing. And before, honestly, I used to be, like, in high school before, I used to be, like, if we lost, I was, like, eh, it's okay. Like, I played well. But then you learn that, like, every point mattered, every game mattered, and you just hated losing. And if we didn't show up one weekend, we were – got back and was you know got back from that showcase or trip and it doesn't matter how long the ride was we'd be running in our gear until two in the morning or something or or we'd be skating all week with no pucks Uh-oh. oh um, yeah. they just taught you to hate to lose and then another thing is once you get to know all the guys in your team it just makes it even harder to like when you lose just seeing everyone and I think that was like a huge motivation for me was just to put it all on the line for the whole team. And,
1: and guys, I want, I want to talk to you both now. I want to give you both a chance to kind of answer to this. And, and this is something where, again, like I talk about it all the time on the Dan K show, I was a baseball guy, I was a pitcher. And it's pitching is the only position in sports that can in any way compare to net minding. And the idea is it's the only position in sports that has a win or a loss attached to you as a statistic. It's a stat. It's something in your stats, your win-loss record. And in goaltending, you stand between a net in front of everybody and you could lose 1-0 and it's your loss. And in pitching, you could lose 1-0, it's your loss. You stand on a mound on a, a raised hill in front of everybody in attendance. Can you kind of talk about, Nick, you kind of alluded to it. And again, you kind of did a great job transitioning for us to this topic. And Ryan, I'll start with you. Just the idea of net mining. Can you kind of let folks at home who've never gotten between the pipes inside of the mindset of, I'm not going to let my boys down. I'm going to get that W tonight, no matter what it takes. And what does it feel like to really put the pads on and get going on game day?
2: It's hard. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. It's it's. I've always believed it's tough position in sports, and I know a lot of people will scoff at that and be like, "Oh, well, quarterback, whatever." If you can sit there and you can let up a goal in a tight game, and you can look at your bench and see every one of them look at you and then put their heads on disappointment, and you don't feel awful for the other 30 guys in that bench, then you're lying to me. Any any game where I let up a soft goal I knew I could have had, and that happened quite a lot this past season. And I would look at my team, they just put their heads down, and they would go out flat the next shift. I knew right then, like, that was on me. I felt awful. And it's about getting back to that mindset of trying, like, okay, now lock it back in, get a win for the boys. Because then you go in that room, and they don't care if you let up four goals on ten shots and one five four. They got a win, and you got that win for them. That's all that matters.
1: And, Nick, same to you. I mean, can, can I let people inside of that mindset when you get between the net I mean, this is, you're a guy with a, a sub-two goals against average this past year. I mean, and you still think about it. The win-loss record wasn't perfect. It, it's never perfect. I mean, if, if it is perfect, you're going wherever you want to go, right? You're making your choice. So can you kind of let people inside the mindset of what's it like when you strap the pads on it and, and you got to make that decision come game time?
3: Well, uh, it's definitely the hardest position of all of sports. I'm just going to put it at that. There's, no one's going to change my mind. Uh, people say that, like, goalies are weird or, you know, all that other good stuff. But, I mean, until they actually, like like you said, put the pads on and go out there in front of everyone and you take that sole responsibility to be the last line of defense, then you, you won't understand. And, in my opinion, if you have the guts to put the pads on, like all the other goalies out there, and Look at your team after you say you let in the softy or you know, win a game. It uh you're definitely one of like the, the toughest people in the game to be able to do that. Like the amount of courage you need to have and responsibility is definitely up there. And I think that's why it makes the position so challenging, but then like at the same time like enjoyable.
1: And, and I want to use this now, guys, as kind of a moment for something that I talked about when the Capitals won the Cup. And you guys are right there in that Capitals market, right? That, that RVA market, that DC market. If you remember, if everyone remembers correctly, at the beginning of that postseason when the Washington Capitals won the Cup, Dan Kay was at multiple Capitals games for work. And every time he showed up, he listened to Braden Holt, he get booed out of the net. And Holpe was done. He was dead. He was canceled, as they say. And you looked at Philip Grubauer, not a bad netminder, a very talented netminder, a a professional netminder, having a lot of success in Colorado. But they benched Braden Holpe. Braden Holpe was done. And Grubauer goes out in game one of the postseason and struggles. And back comes Braden Holpe, who was done, who no one wanted between the net. Capitals fans thought the season was over. There was no way they'd make it out of the first round. And next thing you know, Braden holpe gets on a streak and wins a cup. And and you see this kind of resiliency. You see someone like Braden holpe and that's what true greatness is as a netminder. As as it, it's the ability to see that failure and fire your way out of it, to build your way out of it, to become better outside of that failure and. Ryan, I want to talk to you as a guy who's going to college right now, who's moving to that next level, who, you know, you dealt with. I remember watching you, Ryan, this past season, out in Richmond, Virginia, getting pulled from a game. And at no point did you put that head down. Of course, you were not happy. Of course, you were upset. Of course, you wanted to be between those pipes. But at no point did you put that head down. You stayed up. You you battled with your boys the whole way through. And you guys wound up winning that game in OT. Can you talk a little bit about, those moments as a netminder where you hit rock bottom, can you give a little advice to the boys at home about how to grow out of that and how to become better
2: at what you do? It's it's definitely a struggle. It's something I had to teach myself how to do, especially coming from Jersey. As you know, Dan and Luke, as you guys know, it's not the biggest hockey market. There's a lot of high-end still, but not really often to go, with the exception of a few high-end AAA teams. But going and playing, you know, two as juniors prior to Richmond and then Richmond especially, when you get pulled out of that net, the first thing you need to do is apologize to your team, get on that bench, start banging your blocker as loud as you can. And because the energy gotten, the momentum's narrowly you, you the ice is slanted, not in your favor. If you as young goaltenders can look at your team, apologize, and then help them get their energy back, get them buzzing, get them going, get them ready to kill somebody for that logo. Then you have a chance to go out there and come back and win that game. And then you can be upset at yourself afterwards. You can bag yourself and practice that week. That's you can go home and cry in your in your room. That's up to you. That's however you handle with adversity. But in that moment, when you have a period or two periods, a period and a half left in that game, you need to get on that bench, look at your team, look at your coaching staff, say, that's on me. Now let's make up for it. Let's get a win.
0: Now, I have a, a question for both of you guys. Bef- before we get into a conversation about Richmond, um, which I know we had started to have before we had hit the record button, um, I'm always interested in the goaltender perspective um, on, during the warm-up process. Um, you know, Dan and I are always kind of walking around the rink um, before games, kind of scoping some stuff out, and it seems like every goaltender has a different way to warm up. Um, and I think, Nick, I want to start with you on this one. Uh, I'm interested Uh-oh. in your, your warm up <laughs> because, well, it's interesting because it, you. I think one of you dropped the line like goaltenders are a little bit different. And there's always something weird. We've seen goaltenders who just stare at a wall, who will just sit inches from a wall and just stare at it for, for 10, 15 minutes. So Nick, what's we're your We're not pre- weird. We're just different. <laughs> exactly. You guys are just a different, a different bunch. Nick, what's your, your pregame up? How do you get in the zone?
3: Um, I, I don't really listen to, I mean, get into the rink. I'll listen to my own music. And then once I get in the rink, I just interact with everyone. I'm not like – I don't try and isolate myself. I mean, people respect me and not get all hype and crazy on me because I don't like to get hype before games. But on the – I mean, and then on the ice, I just kind of get locked in. I like to interact with people. I think that helps calm the nerves. But, I mean, I don't really have, like, my own crazy thing, if I'm being honest.
1: Nick, I, I got to jump in here, by the way, and Lucas, I'm sorry. I, as a pitcher, me and Nick are the same guy here. Uh, when I would warm up, I, I'd have them play a lot of country over the loudspeakers in the stadium. And I kinda, I'd take a nice <laughs> jog for about a, about a half mile, pole to pole, take my jog. Everyone would leave me alone. I'd come make some jokes. And then finally, I couldn't focus in until about 10 minutes before first pitch. I'd get in the pen, and that's when I'd, I'd focus in. But you can't go too early. I feel like there's just a certain time you expend yourself. And, and Nick, I, I love that. I, I think you get that. And there's and there's something where you have to you have to conserve that energy for the actual moment of puck drop.
3: Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta everyone know has to figure out a way like just to know how their body works. Like my body works differently than any other goalie in the league or just everywhere else in general. So and you just gotta find a way to just I'm getting it ready for game.
0: And, uh, Kareen, same to you. How did you get ready for these? Uh, how did you get ready for games? How did you mentally get yourself in the zone?
3: <laughs> oh, why, why are you laughing, Bernie? Don't make fun of me. Because <laughs> I already know what you're going to say.
2: <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, I tried to be loose when I could be. If I, I found that, I found it in Little Fires, uh, which is my first real starting role that I would like do a five hour, like breathing, you warm up. And then I'd have an adrenaline drop in the first period. And I'd be exhausted. And then I'd be done for like the whole second half, first and second. I was like, I can't win a game like this. So I changed when I got to Richmond. I tried to be looser, do what Nick does, and interact with people, keep everything like super calm. But I will credit all my success to my warmup because it has not changed for two years. I love it. So I'll come in, listen to whatever I'm with my roommates in the car usually, and I'll be honest, and it's gonna sound funny, but we like to listen to a lot of like Kesha and Taylor Swift on the way to the rink. So especially driving a Potomac, nice hour and a half drive from a T Swizzle power hour, let it be loose, keep it going. And then jump in the rink, have someone play music, whatever. And then go out for a team where I've always, always sued before games. Always two touch of soccer. And then uh, I had to throw in the Richmond special that Dan and Lucas, you actually walked in and ruined one of my games with, I'll be honest, on the fan appreciation night. I was having a spirited volley with my goalie partner playing goalie tennis. <laughs> and you walked in and ruined our game.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think that might have been me. And I felt terrible about I, uh, that.
2: <laughs> I shot you because I still had headphones in and I shot you the dirtiest look ever. And I was like, who is this guy? Who is this dude walking in my my house, (laughs) messing up, trampling through my uh, my floors?
0: I, I felt awful because I was trying to get out of the way. If you've ever been to Richmond, you know, there's a pretty narrow walkway between the stands and the rink. And I was trying to get over to a bench interview and there was a huge crowd walking. So I was like, oh, let me step out of the way and let them go. And I didn't realize where I had stepped until I looked up and saw the look, and I felt terrible. <laughs> I still, I still feel terrible. I still think of that look sometimes. You should be more careful to, with to, where you deploy that look, by the way.
2: I, I, I felt bad because I didn't realize who you were at that point. Because that was the first game you guys came down and did for us for fan appreciation night, and then I was like, oh, whatever, they're cool. I went back and watched the game, and I heard you mention it in the uh, in the play by play, and I was like, oh, I <laughs> gave the wrong guy that look. <laughs>
0: No, we, if anything, you gave the right guy that look, we always try to like stay out of that particular part of the game and, and let you give you guys your space. But yeah, no, I, I felt terrible about that. But uh, and now I, I think I do want to move on to Richmond. And, and we had sort of uh, started having this conversation a little bit before the podcast, but the Richmond generals are a team that has had that get off my lawn. They've had that nobody likes us and we don't care uh, as their two main slogans the last two years, it seems like. And when you think of Richmond, the first thing you don't think of is hockey. When you think of Virginia or even the Southeast, the first thing you don't think of is hockey, which Dan and I seemingly have spent five, the last five years along with all of you guys trying to tell people how wrong that is. Um, so I feel like either one of you can start off and, and take this. Cause I know one of you had a, an interesting perspective or a story on this is Talk about this hockey market in Richmond. What makes it special? What makes it what it is?
2: All right, Nick, I gotta ask you a question to, to start this. When you walked in the rink for tryouts, what was your first impression?
3: I didn't really know what to th- I didn't know what to think, honestly. I wasn't honestly the rink was nicer than I expected it to be. <laughs> just it being like Richmond, just it being Richmond off because I've never played hockey in Virginia up to that point. I've never even like probably haven't even driven through Virginia to play hockey
2: so for anyone that hasn't played at Scanish and plus in richmond it is not a normal rink you walk in through an arcade so i walked in for a tryout after playing in a beautiful rink in philadelphia and i look and i see an arcade i'm like what is this is where i want to play hockey next year really <laughs> and then you get in the ice locker and you see the boys and it's, it's a good fit and then you know they pack three thousand people into a, a building and have daniel lucas come call a game for you along with <coughs> morris murphy and it's the best atmosphere you'll ever play in your life
3: Oh yeah, without a doubt, it's we got the best fans in the USPHL, and I don't see that going anywhere. Like they're trying to get a
2: an ECHL team, right? Oh yeah, that's gonna happen in two or three years at the brand new arena in Richmond, I believe.
1: I'm calling it now. They're gonna have the best fan base in the league. I will drop one thing from Dan and Lucas coming out with Morris Murphy to call a game. Is that Morris had a cringe-worthy, a cringe-worthy moment with us. Where Lucas told me I shouldn't fire a T-shirt. Where I was firing a T-shirt. We we're throwing free T-shirts out, folks. And I may or may not have hit somebody with a free T-shirt who was not looking. Lucas said I couldn't reach him. I threw a perfect dart out to him, and someone just got in the way. You know, body got in the way. So we we bring some energy out to Richmond, but I mean, it, it's a one-of-a-kind experience.
2: How are you throwing T-shirts in Richmond, and why are we not yeah, getting well, T-shirts?
1: You guys are on the ice. You guys are playing.
2: We were out there throwing t-shirts. Dude, there. I was probably I was probably pulled and on the bench. You could have been like, "Hey, Krinan, head up over the net, right onto the far post, and cleaning on the God. bench from the water bottle." We bottles.
1: got cleaned out that day, by the way. We were. I gave out a free honey bear. I had my honey bear. I bring to keep my voice going, the vocal cords. I had to sign that and hand it out. We threw out our t-shirts. We threw out shorts. We threw out everything with the Dan Casey Show logo on it. Was gone. it was a great event.
2: Y'all got shorts? Four. We, no more <laughs> shorts. We ran out. But uh, but yeah, Richmond definitely is a different place to play. And I credit Nick and his leadership and his team core and how tight they were to the best defense hockey player of my life was our last playoff game against Hampton. We unfortunately lost. And I got to start that game. That was probably my best game of the year. And every single save I made, I would look to my right and I saw our entire elite team led by Nick Bernstein smacking their hands off the aluminum siding above the, the fan section bleachers and it was like playing in game seven of the Stanley cup final. It was the coolest sprint of my life.
1: I, I love that.
2: And, and normally guys,
1: normally when we talk to players from a certain organization, we ask them why that organization, I feel like you guys have done such a good job selling that already. And, and I think we sell the Richmond generals every year. I mean, it's the idea of the hashtag holiday follow challenges to two and O Ryan, you saw us in September and told us you were going to win it last year. You did. So, I mean, you guys are two and O in that. You have the best fan base in hockey the best organization, I mean, in terms of just absolute care, you guys care more than anybody else in the game, man. It's it's blue-collar. It's bringing lunch, pail to work type of hockey. RC Light beyond on the bench. Obviously, Lucas and I love, love RC Light, man. And the whole organization doing it right out there. And but what I want to ask you guys, normally I'd ask about the organization. I want to ask about the position because this is a goaltender-friendly show today. So our final question before we get to the Lucas Jones academic corner, and then we ask you both for your final words, your parting words. Before that, I got to ask you both, young kids out there watching right now, watching the Dan K show, listening with their parents or their family, why become a netminder? Why get between the pipes? Why take that responsibility on? Why is goaltender the position to play in the game of hockey?
2: So um, I will say this, if you want to be a goalie, try it, have fun. You know, if you're playing mites or squirts, you know, local house, team, local travel, whatever, try it, have fun. I mean, even at juniors, like Bernie and I, we're letting guys use our gear all the time. It's a fun position to play. But if you are not mentally tough enough to put the pads on every day and get absolute missiles shot at your ears every time you step on the ice and get your card smoked and get cut and get bruised, and then, you know, the mental side of it, lose a game for your team. And if everyone look at you and go, that was your fault, you cost us that game. If you're not prepared for that, then it's not for you. But, you know, the upside of that is you win that 2-1, that 3-2 game, you know, Nick Bernstein, you know, he was going to take his team to a national championship. He was going to win a one nothing shutout game, championship game. That whole team was going to go, thanks, Bernie. If, you, if you're if you ready for that type of high and low, then absolutely put the pads on. That is for you. And you will have the most fun i had in your life. Nick, all you
1: now, take it away.
3: Uh, <laughs> I would say just, I mean, just have fun with it at first, but I mean, at the same time, like know what you're getting yourself into. Cause it is a lot. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility and all that that comes with it. Like I was like, I mean, what we've been saying the whole time, but I mean, it's either it's kind of on you or it's all you. So I mean, I enjoy it, but I would say my favorite part for being a goalie is just the pads. Like I love getting new pads and all that I think that's every goalie's favorite part it's like
1: Christmas morning no matter when you get them
2: and we are the most stylish goalies in the USPHL and don't get that twisted
1: (laughs) no one's getting it twisted if there's somebody who never gets it twisted and also doesn't know what that phrase means it's Lucas Jones the resident 86 year old of the Dan K show and he is going to talk now To the young folks at home to the players at home and the parents because the junior hockey experience is not just about the game of hockey on the ice it's about what's going on off the ice as well as ryan creenan will tell you this year as he heads off to college it's about that academic experience also lucas the educational corner or academic corner whatever it is i always get it wrong and i have a bad memory i apologize
0: take it away well, Dan, as the resident 126 year old on the show, <laughs> uh, yourself, now. now <laughs> in in the span of just a few seconds, uh, but yeah, as, as the the resident old person on the show, and and more importantly, the uh, the the resident tutor, the registered or the the resident former teacher, I think it's my job every week to kind of not just give general academic tips because you can you could Google that and you'll see the same list of ten different things to be a better student everywhere. But I like to give you guys specific tips that can help you right now. And one of the things I'm recently running into is a problem with the standardized testing. Now, as we all know, due to the coronavirus, um, standardized tests are getting pushed back, they're getting rescheduled, uh, limited access to them. I've had some students having to go to different states to take them. Um, The one thing that I have noticed is that it is causing a lot of stress and potentially rightfully so. Um, this is a stressful time. You've been told your entire academic life that it's a very short window to get into college. You have to take your tests and you have to get your application together and you have to send it in and then you have to get the acceptance letter. It is my job right now to talk to all of the students who are going through this process. You need to relax. It is going to be okay. There is so much stress right now with so many other things going on about your senior year of high school freshman years of college, um, how you're gonna be able to continue your education. The last thing you need to worry about are standardized testing, and here's why. Number one, many schools and many colleges are suspending their standardized testing requirements for the next two to three years at minimum. And you should be updating your search. If you did your college search, you should be rechecking those requirements because many schools have recently suspended those requirements. Number two, you have time. Whether you're taking the test in August, September, October, even November, you will absolutely have the time to be able to upload those scores, to get those results back. Colleges are not unaware and they're not unsympathetic to what's happening. So the biggest thing to remember is that while the application may be due on January 1st, you should be looking into either test waivers or putting that test results are to be determined, you're waiting test results. Because there's no sense in in making yourself crazy about something that may not even be important in the current situation when there are so many more important things like protecting your health, making sure you continue your education, making sure you're not missing out on important lesson plans. So I think the biggest thing today is a very practical solution. And it's not to worry about standardized testing in the short term. Colleges are aware, schools are aware, and even the test takers themselves or the test givers themselves are aware. Keep... Calm, continue to try to sign up for a test where available, when available, and make sure to focus on the important thing, which is staying healthy, staying safe, and continuing to ace your lessons in whatever form they're given this coming September.
1: Lucas, I was really excited because I thought you were going to go through every single month when you got to like August, September, October, (laughs) November. I said, he's going through all 12. This is going to be it. But I'm glad you stopped in November. That was just the third.
0: (laughs) You, you got to have the commitment, but you also have to be committed to the fact that, you know, people know what the 12 months are and you don't have to necessarily, I'm, I'm very long winded at times, but not that long. I mean, happy
1: days back in the day, they went through all seven days of the week in their song. <laughs> We're going to stick to just four months on the Dan K show. But with that, we go to our parting words and Lucas, I know you're always very verbose on these. I'm going to go to you first. What are your parting words for this week's podcast? Ah, oh, Beautiful. Thing of beauty, Lucas, every time you do it. Um, with that, you know what? Every time, I feel like Ryan Crean has been taking on that veteran role of going first. So just to be the guy I am, I want to put Nick Bernstein on the spot right now <laughs> and put it <him> into his <laughs> parting words first. And he doesn't get to push it off on Ryan Crean. Bernstein, what's going on?
2: Parting words. Yeah, Bernie. Gosh. Uh, I think
3: <laughs> if – so, so far what I've learned from juniors is – If you want to be successful, you have to be willing to put in the work for everyone else in the program. So, I mean, like, that's just, like, the little things, like, staying on the ice after and letting your defenders, like, take one-timers on you or, like, you know, going into a shootout after. I mean, just doing, like, the little things like that, like, giving them rides if they need it, like, wherever they need to go or just helping out, like, any way you can. Cause it all comes back. Like if you, I mean, just serve for them in a way, like if you do something for another person, it's going to make them want to help you out in the future. So that's, that's all I got.
1: I love that, Nick. That's absolutely great advice. And, and, you know, whenever we talk to the players, I love the advice because coming from a place from a guy who's playing right now, currently, you know, so many times you hear advice, ourselves or, or folks who have played the game in the past it's this is the present right now folks and great mindset from nick bernstein we go to
2: ryan crean now the crean show with his parting words so i gotta i gotta start this out with a gigantic thank you to the entire racial jones organization and thank you to you guys because you gave us a platform to be shown and heard and you know no one would have heard about nick bernstein being the best going the elite league or me with past two years, anything without you guys broadcasting it in USBHL, but I have to thank coach in general, because I was an absolute nobody. No one gave me a chance. I came coach RC Lake, coach <clears throat> sorry, coach RC Lake, coach Haas, coach Buzzy, coach McNary, coach P. Those gentlemen did so much for my game and so much for me as a, man, as a young man becoming a good person and helped me to be in a place where I can go into a college program and earn a starting job or be a good person, be a good teammate. And then I can't I can't thank them enough, and without that group of people, without that Richmond community, with our fan base, with Courtney and John and Sean and Ken and all the people that came and tailgated our games and made signs for us and made T-shirts with our names on them, had us sign jerseys for kids, gave us Military Night fan Appreciation Night. Without those people, we wouldn't be here talking to you guys. We wouldn't be, you know, top and goaltenders in the Richmond League, getting an opportunity to play college or for next tier two individual Division One. So I have to thank them. And then on the team side. If you're a young goaltender, you're a young athlete and looking at playing juniors, do the right thing. When you think you can't work hard enough, work harder because you can. Your teammates need help. Like Nick said, they need a ride somewhere. They need you to stay out there and take some shootouts for them. They want to work on a shot with you. Sit there, do with them. Be right there with them. And when it comes time for the big moment, they'll be there for you.
1: Absolutely incredible gentlemen. Seriously. And, and Ryan, I, I got to say again, folks at home, like watching with us this week, Ryan Creamer, man, you are one of my favorites in the league, and and this week's parting words kind of tie into what I talked about with you. A story I remember about you is a bad start, right? And and bad isn't in the terms of terrible. It's just sometimes in the net mind you don't have it. And and I thought about my parting words this week. I was sort of tied in or guess short term memory. That those are my parting words this week, and I share with the folks at home. I'm going to start off and just sort of tout myself for a second. and 18-6 with three saves as a college pitcher, you know what I mean? A great career, great career for Dan Kay. Lucas knows I will always tout myself at the end of time, but you think about the bad times, and I remember a start for the goaltenders at home, the toughest position in sports. I remember a start against Central Connecticut State, and I remember jumping on the mound and thinking to myself, I had this, this was an easy one, I'm coming out. My mom gets in the car. I say, Ma, you're going to drive up to Connecticut to watch me pitch? You're driving up today. Let's go. You're coming to watch. She shows up. She's sitting in the crowd. My sister's there. My grandparents are there. My whole family shows up to see Dan K. dominate. First pitch of the game, this kid hits the ball about 450 feet down the left field line. This thing is gone, and it still hasn't landed yet. It's still flying. At some point, somebody listening to this podcast might get hit by the baseball, that this leadoff hitter hit. I wind up giving up seven runs over an inning and a third on eight hits, walk three, strike out nobody. And I am hurting. I'm looking up in the crowd and I just, I get pulled from the game and I go, yeah, of course. And I look up at the crowd and I just go, sorry, everybody. Sorry that you took this long trip up to see Dan K in Connecticut get absolutely shelled. And I remember sitting in a dugout and sitting alone and I could have been upset. The amount of times I'd be fired up, the amount of times I'd be angry, but I thought to myself, you know what? This is a growing moment. This is something to take something from. I can stand up on the top step. I can support my team. We wound up winning that game 15 to 14. We wound up coming back. A couple buddies came in, picked me up. Our offense hit the ball out of this world. We had four home runs in a game, came back when 15, 14, my next start, I go seven strong, complete game, shutout in the doubleheader, first game of the doubleheader. Short term memory, folks, you got to battle back. You got to realize that your worst is only an opportunity to plant a seed to build your best. And we have to continue fighting. And if you're going to play a position like Netminder, you're going to get between the pipes. You got to realize that that comes with failure. There's wins, there's losses. You're going to get tagged with a few losses. You're going to have those games like Ryan talked about. We look at that bench and your boys feel like you let them down. Maybe you didn't get to the post and you let one through the chicken wing there, a little, little bit of a simple score. Maybe you just let one go five hole. That was a little bit easy. It's going to happen. But guess what? To win in a position as tough as a net mining position and to make it at the next level, we need that short-term memory. We need to bounce back. And that's what we need, especially now during a pandemic. And I thank Ryan Creenan. I thank Nick Bernstein, two incredible goaltenders with incredible futures in this game of hockey. If you want to learn more about them, check out their hockey database information there. These guys are absolutely incredible, man. And, and we thank you both for joining us. For Lucas, I don't thank you as much as them, but I do thank you for being here because without you, none of this would get edited because I don't know how, I don't know how computers work. I don't know. I don't get it. When Dan K is on the mic, it's always hockey night. You want to learn more? Watch the Dan K show, dot show.com. If you want to be a guest, reach out to us, contact page, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at the underscore Dan K show. Watch the Richmond Generals this year because Nick Bernstein's going to probably win like 18 player of the month awards this year.
3: Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, thank you, boys.